Hello, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I am the film critic for the website Quipster.net. I've been doing film reviews since 1996, and you can read all of my written reviews there at that website. 3,800 to choose from. Quipster.net. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Today I'm going to be looking at the latest film from writer-director Jeff Nichols. I've been a Jeff Nichols fan for a while now. I've especially enjoyed his films Take Shelter and Mud. This one is called Midnight Special. It's the first of two films that are slated for release in 2016. It was supposed to come out in November of last year, but the date was pushed forward by the studio into the March release date. And it's finally getting a more limited to slash wide release run here in the early part of April of 2016. It's a cross-genre excursion. It's got elements of drama, thriller, sci-fi, adventure, and it's a PG-13 rated release because of some violence and action. It runs an hour and 52 minutes. The main stars are Michael Shannon, Joel Edgerton, Jaden Lieberher, Adam Driver, Kirsten Dunst, and Sam Shepard. And as I mentioned, the director and writer is Jeff Nichols. Now, Jeff Nichols today may not be considered yet, anyway, one of the great directors of our era, but after the four movies that he's presented thus far, I think that he should be considered one of our greatest storytellers in film. It's not really what Nichols says in his films that make them so effective for viewers who enjoy slow but enrapturing tales that are carefully and deliberately developed over the course of the movie. They have subtle character reveals that change the perspective and how we view them as characters and also the story that develops as each new facet is revealed. As such, I do have to say that Midnight Special is one of those movies that I would encourage you, if you have an interest in seeing it, in watching while knowing as little as possible. And it's not because it's full of big secrets or crazy reveals, but I think that the main enjoyment in watching this film, or in any Jeff Nichols film in general, is in watching a master teller of stories spin a yarn in his own way and in his own time. So what I'm saying, I guess, is if you have the ability to go watch the movie, go watch the movie and come back to this review at a time in which you've seen it, because I think that's the best way in which you can take it. Now, for those more adventurous in finding out what the movie's about before you see it, I will still maintain my policy of trying to keep things free of major spoilers, even though I know that some of what I discuss here isn't revealed into later on in the film, including the fact that it's a science fiction premise. Jeff Nichols keeps his cards quite close to the chest until they're ready to be played. So I think that he would prefer you going into this film with a clean slate and just let him be able to tell his story. That way you won't have an anticipation of something happening before it's time for it to happen. The rest of this review will either assume that you have already seen this film and want to hear my take on it, or you want to learn a little bit more about the movie before you make your decision on whether to see it, and you don't mind the fact that you'll know a little bit of the story before going into it. I would say that this is a very intriguing, straight-faced science fiction thriller. It draws us right into the story. It immediately shows us two armed and very anxious men, and according to news reports, we learn that they've seemingly abducted an eight-year-old boy for reasons that are increasingly made clear as we course through the story. One of the men is named Roy Tomlin, and he's played by Michael Shannon. He has 
a strong bond to this odd duck of a boy who's named Alton Meyer. And the other man is seemingly more along for the ride. And we learn that he's Roy's friend, Lucas, played by Joel Edgerton. These two men have taken Alton from the compound of an isolationist religious cult located in West Texas that's run by Calvin Meyer, played by Sam Shepard. And this cult is is actively seeking the return of this boy because he's seen within this cult as a messianic prophet whose seemingly random utterances have formed the basis of their beliefs, including the specific time and the place in which something major is about to occur that will affect them all. So also hot on the trail of the men are... Of course, because of the abduction, members of law enforcement, and included in that is a brilliant analyst who works for the NSA, Paul Savier, who is played by Adam Driver. Paul is desperately seeking knowledge on how and why the young boy has been spouting top secret information that no one outside of their organization should possibly know, and that boy is becoming a risk to national security if he's left unchecked, especially since the cult at the compound seems to be arming up for something more cataclysmic to come. Now, if you've seen the trailers and advertisements for Midnight Special, I think that you'll already be clued in on the extended nature of the boys' abilities before they actually occur in the film. So I think that the trailer and the ads already kind of spoil the film in that way because Nichols doesn't really reveal the nature that the boy is somehow special or gifted or has powers beyond those of normal humans. We do see him early on wearing swim goggles. We learn later in the film that they don't really manage to minimize this blinding light that Alton sometimes beams from his eye sockets at various points throughout the movie. It doesn't take that long before we realize this, but it is one of the story elements that Nichols decides not to share until sometime into the movie. The tension of what amounts to basically a sci-fi chase film comes through not only in the protagonist's continuing escape from authorities, as well as trying to stay away from members of the cult, but in also having to make the crucial deadline that Alton has been foretelling in his utterances, and they will have to do it before Alton, whose health appears to be fading, especially of late, before he expires from whatever malady that's been afflicting him. Pulling out just a little bit from the details of the movie to kind of give you much more of an overview, I'll basically say those of you who enjoy the films of the 1980s will likely recognize some of the sources that Nichols seems to be pulling from in making Midnight Special. Obviously, elements of the main plot will remind many viewers immediately of Steven Spielberg's E.T., The Extraterrestrial, maybe even some other of early Spielberg's films, Certainly, Sugarland Express was a chase film that he did back in the mid-70s. Shortly after that, he did Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and that, and certainly elements of that story are incorporated within Midnight Special as well. Those people who are a little bit more in the know of their 1980s films will also see much more deeper shades of John Carpenter's Starman, which I think this one reminded me the most of, especially in terms of its basic plot structure. Some people may also compare it to a little bit of the 1984 film Firestarter. Nichols has been asked about similarities to that movie, but he claims he had never really seen that film all the way through, so he wasn't intentionally drawing from that, even though there are some similarities there. I think that what's most important to note 
is that all of the films that are mentioned as influences, they're all films that came out from the mid-1970s through the mid-1980s. And uh, Jeff Nichols was born in 1978, so a lot of these movies were probably of interest as he was growing up. And when you're looking at this movie, there's also an emphasis on older vehicles. Very few people drive something that's from this century. You know, everything feels like it's very 20th century. The TVs, there's a lot of tube televisions that are still being used and old cars and old trucks and old technology. Even though this film is set in the modern day, we learn, I would say that this film is probably set in around 2014, even though there are, there's a lot of old technology within the movie. And unlike those films, whether you're talking about Starman or E.T., both of those films contain a healthy helping of comic relief. And Jeff Nichols for this movie seems to not be deliberately going for crowd-pleasing elements like making exciting chase sequences happen early and often. There's no really obvious moments of comic relief. You may find a few things funny. You know, there's some ironies to be drawn within the course of the movie, but I don't think that anything is deliberately trying to make you chuckle. And although it is a chase film, I don't think that it's trying to titillate you with a lot of car crashes and things blowing up either. The film has incidental scenes that touch upon those things, but Nichols definitely is trying to keep everything grounded in a kind of reality. Nichols here is drawing upon themes that he himself explored to a certain extent in his own Take Shelter. That film was about a man who saw visions, and Nichols left the answer as to whether that character, who was coincidentally played by Michael Shannon, was truly a prophet, or if he was merely suffering from a degenerative mental disease. Midnight Special is a bit more straightforward in its reveals on the nature of its main character. You know, we we definitely know that the child is not imagining things, but I think it ultimately answers its main question with much larger questions about things that we all ask about. So for the movie, Nichols put together a pretty fine collection of actors to sell the film, including his muse, Michael Shannon, who's been in all four of Nichols' films thus far, and is actually going to be appearing in his fifth film that's coming out later in 2016 called Loving. Shannon and Nichols definitely are on the same page in every one of the movies. Lieberher, who is playing the young Alton, does pretty well in a very tricky role, playing the odd young child who's struggling between feelings in his present and his knowledge of what's coming. And that allows us to sympathize with his confusion. But we also have a certain level of trust that somehow there's really a purpose to his strange powers, some sort of meaning that will develop that will guide him toward a proper conclusion and reveal what they're about, or at least enough for us to want to know where things will eventually lead, and that gives us an element of not only suspense, but a feeling of comfort knowing that there is a master plan. We just don't know what the details of that are. While he is seemingly a superfluous character from outside appearances, it could have been just a man and a child on the road. Joel Edgerton's excellent take as Lucas is also, I think, for narrative purposes, especially important because unlike the rest of the characters in the film who seem to either have their own angle or their own back history, Lucas is an outsider, kind of like us as we're joining this film. And not only does Lucas's character ground the story because he has a healthy amount of deliberate skepticism that he brings to the story, 
that allows us to marvel about the things that actually are kind of fantastical. But his presence also allows to draw out more expository information to be said aloud from Roy and from Alton that will make things a little bit clearer so that we're able to follow along because we're dropped right into the middle of the story. Adam Driver is even more of an outsider. He plays the curious NSA analyst, and he gives us a more empathetic face to the pursuers of Alton. Now, this is a role that typically would have been written to be some sort of heavy for the film. You know, we should have been fearful of him, but he's definitely much more benign. And I think that that suggests that his search for secrets is really a search for knowledge. He's trying to get a better understanding of ourselves as humans in the quest for information about who we are on earth and things that are much more important than just having, you know, top secret classified information for security purposes. There is a larger goal in mind that Adam Driver's character sees Now, as a film, Midnight Special is what I would consider to be a very slow burn kind of thriller. It has a plot line that I think will have many viewers expecting mass appeal elements because it does remind you of E.T. and Starman and some of these other more notable films of the 1980s. But Nichols chooses to stay away from, at least as much as he can anyway, a conventional treatment to his story. And that, I think, is going to challenge less patient viewers. This is a very darkly shot film most of the time. Most of the filming is done at night or indoors in darkness, and Nichols emphasized natural light whenever possible, which makes it look a bit murky and not quite conventional. He doesn't inject action beats at the usual intervals that you would find in a mainstream film. It feels kind of very much like a Hollywood plot that's done entirely with the sensibility of an independent filmmaker, which Nichols definitely was before this. This is Nichols' first studio film, so he's, in a way, he's kind of testing the waters. It feels both big, at least in terms of its ideas, and very small in terms of the personal story that it's telling within that big idea at the same time. And I do think that that's also what makes it unique enough for a genre filmmaking excursion to seem different, even though it's drawing from a lot of obvious inspirations. This is shot with a much higher budget than Nichols' first three films, probably his first three films combined in terms of those budgets, around $20 million. That's still pretty low by today's studio film standards, but definitely higher than what Nichols was accustomed to. It allowed him to put in some special effects. Those effects are effective, but they're not going to blow you away. You know, we're not talking about a Marvel film here or a Star Wars film. They're sparingly used, and they do just enough to get the job done without seeming too cheap. The special effects are sparingly used so that most of what's going on is actually playing out in your imagination more than what you're seeing on the screen. Now, Nichols, as he's wont to do, doesn't really care to answer every question that the film raises. And that fact may also put off some viewers who have an expectation that in the end, everything is going to make sense and everything is going to be revealed. So this film doesn't give you that. As I mentioned earlier, this film answers its small questions with bigger questions. And so 
if you want to be at the end of the film and have it all wrapped up in a nice, neat bow, you're not going to get that. Now, now on the other end of the spectrum, there are some viewers who will go the other way, which is to find that the film's ending reveals a little bit too much than what's necessary. They may have liked things to remain a mystery. They may not want to see certain things that the film reveals and feel that it had more power in what it didn't reveal than what it does. And those people may come away feeling a little bit disappointed. So this is kind of a tricky movie. Like I mentioned, it's an excursion, which generally means that it's playing around with genre. Nichols here is really toying with the conventions of filmmaking and the way to tell a story and maybe even capture some of the stories that he enjoyed as a youth and to try to do things in his way, what he would have done with these premises and in a way that makes it a little bit personal in terms of him as a filmmaker, even though it's not necessarily a very personal story other than the fatherhood aspect of the movie. And I think that that may be a little bit distancing to us since it is him toying with his own personal vision. In a way, we're watching somebody entertain us, certainly, but to do it in his way, in his fashion, in his time, in, in his own place. I think that you have to be accepting of that premise going in. So I think it's more about the journey than it is about providing these pat answers. And that, along with Nichols' ability to draw you in as a storyteller, I think is what makes his film, like the boy at the center of it, uncanny but truly special. I'm giving Midnight Special three and a half stars out of four. And three and a half stars means, on my scale, that I do think it's worthwhile if you're a science fiction fan... If you're a fan of films of the 1970s and 1980s, especially those kind of sci-fi fantasy chase films that I mentioned earlier, I think that this will definitely be right up your alley, and I think it's worth going out of your way to see. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the review. If you want to contact me, you can do so by going to my website, quipster.net. You can also find links to my Twitter feed and my Facebook page there. That's qwipster.net. If you want to support the show, leave a review on iTunes. And if you haven't done so already and you want to hear more of my reviews, I do encourage you to click the subscribe button. And I will deliver more reviews to you on what's currently out in the theaters on a mostly daily basis. The Quipster Film Review Podcast is the name of the show. Until next time, I hope that you enjoy your time going to the movies, and let me know if you do go out to see Midnight Special what you thought and what your take is on what happens throughout the movie. 